This is Jason Cast. This is Scott Nearman. We are MP Local, where we want you to know that you are not alone. I tell you what, Scott, this business is not easy. It has its own unique challenges. This is not about bottom line only. This is not about profit only. We're about mission and changing communities in the nonprofit world. And that is why we started this podcast called MP Local. Hey, 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 how are you doing out there? This is Jason Cass. This is Scott Nearman. Yes, and we are MP Local, where we want you to know that you are not alone. That's right. We got your back right here on MP Local. Mm -hmm. Because I tell you what, Scott, this business is not easy. It's, It's different than all the others. It's different. Yeah, this is not about bottom line only. This is not about profit only. We're about mission and changing communities in the nonprofit world. That's right. That's right. And a lot of people think I buy a product, I turn around and sell it, I make a profit. It goes to the employees, the owners, the expenses, and then we reinvest in the business. And that's cool. And there's a lot of similarities when you look at non-profits. But when it comes to, it's just different. And it's got a lot of the similarities of a for-profit. But boy, it has its own unique challenges. And that is why we started this podcast called NP Local. Aren't you excited about this, Scott? I am. And we're we're here for the folks that are listening. You know, we're here because we want to help out the folks who are in the field, in the trenches every day, um, probably not making a huge profit. You know, nonprofits run like a, a small business. A lot of times uh, can also be a big business if you're one of the, the larger entities in this country. That's right. And today we're going to talk about funding. And I know that that's important to a lot of you nonprofits out there. Heck, that's important to anybody, right? Funding's always good. Um, sometimes the fund raising is the tough part. And that's the type that we don't like. And we've got a lot of, but before we go into that, I want to just recap everybody. If you want to go back to episode one, if this is the first episode you're listening to, this is episode two, um, where we just give a little bit of a down low. We're going to keep these to 20 minutes the best we can. We might be a little less, might be a little bit more because we realize that your time is valuable and our goal is to give you at least one nugget during your time. I'm an insurance agency owner in Southern Illinois. I own three location insurance agency. Uh, Scott is an insurance agent. He does have his license because he, that's a long story that we'll get into over all the episodes that we have to get together. But really, because I don't want to butcher it, what is your actual title day-to-day job? Well, I'm an executive director of a medium-sized nonprofit at a community college in Tennessee. Boom. So he joined me, uh, our agency, about three years ago because we do nonprofits, right? And I approached him and said, hey, your expertise would be great. He's solid and we've went forward. Now, the great thing about this is, is that not only do we do nonprofits, but your expertise, what are what exactly, real quick before we go on your designations that you have, Scott? Well, I have a master's in public administration. I was actively choosing government service or nonprofit work, and then uh, later received my certified fundraising executive credential and international credential that our audience will be familiar with. That's right. And here's the deal. You get him for absolutely free in your ear as much as you want. And you know you just don't get that with everybody. That's the benefit of MP Local. We understand that your community is always local, and that is what we're striving to do is help you strengthen that community. So let's get on with our first major topic. Um, and I will give you a little bit of an insight. The future topics are going to be 
double bottom line and also engaging your brand. And that's important because man culture is so important in brand when you're looking at what we're trying to do and getting your employees to buy in. But first, let's go to the main one because without this, there ain't no organization, baby, without the money. So let's talk about it. Why was this a huge topic and where do you want to start with this, Scott? Well, just a, just a funny thing. You know, I remember having a conversation years ago with some of my family and they were talking about uh, hospitals uh, having a large margin of revenue. Uh, others talk about uh, the small nonprofit that they need to spend every dime and how do they open their doors the next day? You know, they're spending it all on mission. And really, neither one is true. And so uh, yeah. not only like our last episode, we talked about uh, the variety of nonprofits out there, but some are operating, in fact, most are operating on very small margins. And so funding is so important because it's important that folks understand what a nonprofit is and the fact that um, that, that organization has to have something left December 31st in order to open their doors January 1st. So it is a business. Uh, it's just a different business model. So let's get, let, I want to break that down because this is something I don't know. So I'm pretty sure a lot of the listeners may know because they're in this field more. But so a nonprofit is allowed to make profit. Absolutely. So how what's the distinguish between that for profit and that nonprofit? Then what are the limits? Are there limits of what the nonprofit can do? Well, first of all, you have to uh, abide by your mission and invest in that mission. And so when you report to the IRS on the Form 990, uh, you, you report not only the sources of your income, but how you spent it. In fact, there's three broad categories okay. we could get into a little bit with our next episode um, on how you report that. But there are uh, certain percentages that are required in order to, uh, to verify public support. In fact, it was in the mid-2000s uh, where the IRS added the public support test uh, to that 990 filing. So these are things that that are in the numbers and you want to uh, always know your numbers when you're in the nonprofit world, but you need at least 33 and a third percent of your support from the public. Wow. Okay. Did not know that this is see, I apologize. I imagine there's people listening to this just did not know that either. May, I mean, I, so, but that is the determining factor. A third 33.3 or more of your funding has to come from the public. And then you could be declared a nonprofit or are there other things as well? Like you said, you have to abide by the mission statement. I thought that was interesting. I had no idea about that. Well, long story short, you've got to follow your own bylaws and your own incorporating documents. So to become exactly. a nonprofit, you're incorporating just like mm -hmm. a business would incorporate in a different section of the IRS code. Okay. Wow. The 501... 501Cs, that's right. Yeah, section C, verse 3. I think there's 27, 26 different categories of those. 26 different categories. Proverbs 1, 4. Oh, wait, wrong thing, wrong thing. My fault, my fault. We'll wrong chapter that. and verse. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd rather read that than the IRS code. i tell you that Absolutely. right there. <laughs> Woo, holy cow. You know what I mean? Whew, okay. So when you were talking about, you have, you have something that you've mentioned before with the Benjamin Franklin and the Hank Ross Ben and Hank quotations um, yeah. and their modeling for fundraising. You're taking us back to the roots, and I like that, man. Let's yeah. go. Well, you know, in, in reality, in the United States, uh, the nonprofit world, the community support and, and helping one another at the community level is something that has existed uh, from the very beginning. 
And we talk about erecting churches, you know, a long time ago. Uh, and that's, in fact, where Benjamin Franklin was approached by a friend that wanted him to give and help raise money for a, for a meeting house, as they called it back really? then. And he turned, he turned a guy down. Uh, he wasn't interested in fundraising, but he was always willing to give advice, you know, Ben Franklin. Yeah. And he tells his friend in the first place. And, and so what I want to get to here is Hank Rosso, a contemporary who, who only passed in 1999, the founder of the fundraising school. Um, wow. How, how these things go together. So Ben Franklin said in the first place, I advise you to apply all those to all those whom you know will give something next to those whom you are uncertain whether they will give anything or not, and then show them the list of those who have given. Last, do not neglect those who you are sure will give nothing, for in some of those you may be mistaken. And so if you think about wow, a bullseye, really well you think about a bullseye, that's what he's talking about. You've got this core constituency that is always going to support you. Okay, Maybe it's mom and dad. Maybe it's your board. Uh, maybe it's folks who you know are passionate about the mission, as passionate as you are. And then you've got that next ring of the people that they know. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the general public. So in a fundraiser's mind, everyone you meet is a fundraising prospect. That doesn't mean you sure. put them all in your database. That doesn't mean you're going to swap business cards every time, but you've always got to be thinking about that. Um, so that that's how sense. it relates to Hank Rosso. So Hank Rosso, um, a modern guy, founded the fundraising school. Very, very respected in the field. And he came up with this concentric circle, kind of the bullseye I was talking about. And you can Google it and, and find that very easily. But what would they get, Google? What would they uh, Google to find that? Rosso's constituency model. R-O-S-S-O. Thank you. So you so can uh, find it when they find it. Yeah. Yeah. When you find it, pull up the, the image and uh, it gives you an idea of who to solicit. So if you're starting a nonprofit, one of the or, one of the ways uh, that I do consulting on the side is, is helping with startups. Um, not the legal work per se, but but how do we go about doing this business? Uh, we always start with Rosso's concentric circles or his constituency model. Who, who am I going after here? Because um, theoretically, you know your community, right? Mm-hmm. You, would, you wouldn't have the nerve to start a business or of any kind if you don't do your market research. You know your need. You know your cause. And then uh, who am I going to talk to about this initial funding? We don't really, as a nonprofit, want to go out and take a bank loan if we can help it, right? Right. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dude, this is this is great. I mean, I'm learning a lot. I'm a geek like this. I love learning about business. I love learning about institutions and structure like that. So this is, this is really interesting that it goes back that far. I love those three classification of people. And I want you guys to know as you're listening to this and you're fascinated by it, I know you are, because if you're not, you would have turned it off by now. But being fascinated by this, I want you to know that he's listing things of the three broad categories and how to fund or how to report to the IRS and, and starting a new uh, a non-for-profit. These are all going to be future episodes where we'll break those down for you in 20 minutes. So we've got about 10 minutes left. Is there anything that you wanted to add uh, for, for Franklin and Ross? No, you know, those folks never knew any, any, each other. Uh, and I never knew them, but uh, I think these are two revered names in the fundraising world. So pay attention to what those guys say. <laughs> I would have never thought that Ben Franklin was so instrumental in fundraising. He's in a lot of things, right? But to say that he's one of the founding fathers of it is, is really, really, is a really, really, 
Interesting idea. And think about, I mean, I don't know. Let's just make it a little bit crazy here. But Rosso, whenever he was thinking about this and having um, asking Ben, this obviously was a new type of thing. Or maybe it had just kind of started. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like to me that common sense, you would have had somebody always fundraising for some kind of cause, you know, but then again, their lives were very simple and low technology. Maybe they didn't think about that stuff. Everybody just took care of themselves. I don't know. What would you say to that? I think what's changed is the whole realm of social science research. You know, folks can go to college and learn to, to do studies and process statistics in the social sciences now, human behavior. And so I think that's what's different is that we now know from a research-based perspective, and that's one of the things that uh, the fundraising school and Indiana University's Center on Philanthropy is so good at. Uh, they were the first public university, in fact, doing this kind of research. And so a lot of what what I've learned and what I want to share is research-based. Uh, it's, it's at least anecdotally based uh, from my own experience, if not uh, research-based from some formal training. That's so important what you just said, though. This is, this is research that you use and you have used in order to do exactly what you're helping these people do with that, which is help run a nonprofit and, I mean, and do that in foundations. I mean, how long have you been doing that, Scott? Nearly 20 years, actually, as a volunteer, board member, and, uh, and staff member at, at organizations. The thing that I wanted to keep in mind is, is, though, is when he was going to Ben and asking him, rearing back to that and solidifying my point, and we'll move on, is that this was a new thing, but yet he still wanted to do it, right? This is sometimes what we feel, I imagine they feel, because I mm -hmm. feel this, I, I, um, I help with non-for-profit Centralia Youth Initiative, and we're constantly having to raise money. That's just the way that we pay for the after-school programs for the city. That's what we do. But it's always a difficult thing. Not for me. I mean, for a lot of people, not for me. I'll ask people for in a minute because I got a passion. And You're I need kind of shy. You're kind of shy. So that's amazing, right? I'm not shy. But also when it comes to like raising money for, for the youth, when it comes to raising money for Cuba and all that stuff, dude, dude, I'm, 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 I'm game on that. So I just think it's, it's important to realize that someone had to start it. It all had to start by asking. And so the problems in the in the in the anxiety you may be having today are the same ones that everybody's always had as they've had to ask people for money. And 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 now and you should know that it's okay to ask for money because according to the giving report of 2020, I want you to talk about that Scott that should give a little bit of excitement into oh, how yeah. successful you can be to raise money. Well, and let me also say your your passion for the causes you just mentioned. I know that because I know you, and and that's the key. And that's maybe a whole nother episode, Jason. But mm -hmm. but the Giving USA report did come out this summer uh, for 2020, and that's 2019 data on charitable giving. What is so encouraging about that report? Now, keep in mind the COVID pandemic wasn't happening uh, when these numbers and and when these dollars were given in 2019. But uh, we're talking 450 billion dollars given by individuals in this country. That's in 2019 alone. Almost half a trillion dollars, right? Wow. So so there's a lot. I mean, this is a giving country. I mean, we are. So, so you mentioned Ben Franklin. We, we talked about that plenty. But, um, you know, this is something uniquely American. We are one of the most gener generous countries on our, the planet. And so that's that's encouraging. Right. But the reality is there's a lot of competition out there. So you want to be good at your craft, uh, something that I'm trying to be better at every day. I've still got things to learn, even 15 plus almost 20 years into this. But um, yeah. So so what's also important out of that Giving USA report is that 
um, 69% of that money was given by individuals. So, wow. Over two-thirds. Absolutely. And that's really wow. key when it comes to fundraising strategy. A lot of nonprofits think that, that, that you know, it's manna from heaven when you get this grant. And let me tell you, a government grant or even a foundation grant might have quite a lot of strings that your entity is not capable of managing. Okay, you, you better have some good accounting support. Um, you better keep really good records of the services you're providing and be prepared to write that up in a formal report and a narrative with all the OMB uh, government forms to go with it. Otherwise, that's not really a gift, right? That's a lot mm-hmm. of work. And so, you you know, there's this idea of mission creep. If you're, if you're chasing after the grants so much that you're veering away from your core mission, you know, remember, you got to report to the IRS that X number of people or this many dollars were raised and you need to be able to prove that you weren't just chasing grants, that the general public actually supports your core mission. So not only do you need to have 33.3 more, but you want to have that, that the, the course approved be the, the, the individuals, right? Rather than trying to chase grants or would we consider corporations individuals or, or, uh, you know, the law does. Uh, so yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. <clears throat> Supreme court said so. That's right. Uh, but but really, you know, any of your donors and not we, we talked about grants. And, and so let's set that aside for a little bit. Maybe we will bring a guest on that uh, to talk about that sometime. But uh, you've also got service revenue. So you find this in healthcare and other service organizations quite yep. a bit. A lot of revenue coming in. But, for example, you know, healthcare is a lot of revenue going out. You need specialized uh, individuals that you're paying salary to and you need all kinds of fancy equipment right in healthcare. So there's a lot of money in, a lot of money out. You can also have an unrelated business income. A community center could set up a coffee shop and have the revenue, which you hope's in the black if it's well run, from that coffee shop supporting, you know, paying the light bill. And so however you structure that, uh, there's other ways uh, to receive funds. But it's just so striking that, you know, you got almost 70% coming from individuals. And I would say that includes um, wills and estates. Okay, so, you know, when somebody leaves you a gift in your will, that is from an individual, at least from a household, yeah, right? Yeah, still though, yeah, that's, that's an individual giving. Yes, we're talking four hundred fifty billion. Correct. Wow. Right. Blows my mind. And you said in from seventy five to twenty fifteen, the data shows that giving outpaced the S and P five hundred in thirty five out of forty years. Yeah, there's a little chart out there uh, I came across in my files preparing for today and. You know, that says something, right? S&P 500 is usually in touch with the, the small business and, and the growth sectors of our economy. Let me tell you, in the nonprofit world, this is an area of growth, and it has been. Uh, you know, it's, it's why I chose the, uh, uh, the field, right? Nobody, nobody grows up in high school saying, I want to be a nonprofit director. Well, maybe they do now because it's been such a hot thing in the last 20 right, years. Right, maybe so. <laughs> right. I bet you there probably is, man. There's... There's this, we've turned from a society that going to school is not the most important thing, even though it is, if there's any kids listening, education's important, but following your passion and what makes you get up in the morning, the fact that you decide to leave when you're 21 and go to Indonesia and serve for the rest of your life there to me is just as good as a master's degree. I'm sorry, but it is. And I, so I, I just think that that's very important. Here's what I want to do. We got a we got a couple minutes here because we want to keep it tight, and we will go a little bit over because I want you to talk about this fundraising 101 fundraising pyramid. Can you do that, or should we yeah. wait for that to be enough? Okay, go ahead. Well, we, and we could also elaborate that on on another extended episode. You know, mm-hmm. if if our listeners have not heard of the fundraising pyramid, 
you need to go take a basic fundraising training. I can help you with that. Google my name. You know, this is, this is not hard to find this training. You can Google it, find it for free. Uh, but I highly recommend the fundraising school at Indiana University. I'm not getting paid anything by them, by the way, but uh, right. that's where I got my training. And, and if you picture a pyramid and you've got these layers, okay, so you've got the broad base, and that's, that's the biggest layer, the thickest layer of your pyramid. And then you've got two, three, four on top of that up to the pinnacle or the peak of that pyramid. And you can subdivide that and overanalyze it. You know, I'm, I'm real good at overanalyzing sometimes, but let's keep it real simple here. That base is your first time donors. Okay. Remember you're building an organization like, like building this pyramid, first time donors, the middle layer or one of the middle layers is a repeat donor or a regular donor. Maybe the third layer, then you start to get some real dedicated folks. These are your large gifts. Okay. This, by the way, is what your board should be helping with. Uh, this is what your parents should be helping with. If you're starting as a fledgling organization, this is what, um, you know, this, these are people really committed to the cause for one reason or another. And then you move up to the pinnacle, which is that transformative gift. This gift changes everything. It's the new building. It's the million-dollar estate. It's the, uh, the transformative gift that really shapes, builds a new program, takes you in a new direction. Oftentimes, at the very top, again, a whole other episode, is that planned giving. Um, so the types of gift you receive through this pyramid at each level is different. The amount of time you spend with the donors at the bottom is not the same as the individualized attention you give at the top. Um, and the return on investment of any Makes money sense. spent to raise those dollars um, obviously goes up as you go up the pyramid, but the ROI grows. So is that fast version? Wow. Dude, I have got so many notes. Yeah, it, listeners, don't feel overwhelmed. I promise you we're going to break down all these. Probably got about 10 episodes just out of this one, and we're going to continue to fill you with those nuggets. Okay, Scott, anything you want to say to wrap up? Hey, maintain your passion. Fundraising's tough. It's tough right now during these co during the COVID era, but uh, uh, this is a generous country, and so you believe in your mission, and you uh, uh, keep at it and show that impact to your community, and you're going to do fine. Scott, here's one thing the last I want to wrap up with. Leaders are readers, and most readers are leaders. And we know that the leaders of the organization we're speaking to, with them being leaders, they must be readers. What's a good book for them to read? Absolutely. I highly recommend Gerald Panis, uh, Asking. Spell the last it's a very name. Spell last name. P-A-N-A-S. Okay. And what was the name of the book? Asking. Asking. Because you're not... Not going to get the gift unless you ask. That's right. That's exactly right. Hey, I want to once again, thank you for taking your time to listen to us. I hope you got your nugget. We apologize for going over uh, about two, uh, two and a half minutes, but we wanted to get that in there. Come back to us. Be sure to hit play on the next one if it's out there. If it's not, be prepared because Scott and I are probably in a dark dungeon sitting where coming up with the ways that we can help you know that you are not alone. This has been Jason Cass. This is Scott Nearman, and we're MP Local. 